you have a light bulb that goes out in your house, you shouldn't have to call an electrician. You should know how to change your light bulb. If your knee's a little achy after some squats, you should know how to take the first steps to fixing that. And if you have a great physical therapist, that's awesome. Use them. But I know not many people have that ability. And often when they do go to some medical practitioners, they get the wrong advice. Welcome to the Bar Ben Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbent.com. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Aaron Horshig, a physical therapist, strength and conditioning coach, speaker, writer, and weightlifter. Aaron is the author of one book on mobility and movement with another on the way next year, but he's probably best known as the creator and mind behind Squat University. In our chat, we discuss what so many elite strength athletes are missing when it comes to movement and how Aaron's own experience as a weightlifter impacts his approach to helping people prevent and recover from injuries. If you've ever wanted to improve your squat, this is a great place to start from the ground up. I do want to take a second to shout out today's episode sponsor, Manimal, America's longest lasting wrist wrap since 2010. Manimal has over 1,000 five-star reviews and is trusted by athletes and coaches who want to get stronger in the gym, minus the wrist pain. Want to put Manimal wraps to the test? Visit Manimal.com and use code BARBED for 15% off, backed by a lifetime guarantee. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm really excited because we've actually been going back and forth. We've wanted to chat for a while, so to finally get you on the podcast, it's great. And you run, you're the dean of Squat University. Is how That's a good way to put it. Yeah, you're the dean, chancellor, janitor, tenured professor. Everything. Everything of Squat University. For sure tenured, yes. (laughs) For sure tenured. You got (laughs) tenure whether you like it or not. Squat University. What is it and why is it called Squat University? Can I get a degree from Squat University? Because I need some remedial courses, maybe. You definitely can. And here's the deal. Tuition is free, which should be great for everyone to hear, especially nowadays. Oh, geez. So first off, I got to say thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, Squat University basically was birthed from the idea that the squat as a movement pattern is first and foremost the one building block to an athlete's paradigm that will say that has, in my opinion, been lost throughout the years. Now, if we look at the way an athlete is built, their fundamental sort of baseline in the way in which they are moving all stems from their movement patterns, their quality of movement. But the way in which we look at the squat is always an exercise first. We don't think of the squat as a movement first. Now, as a young physical therapist, I kept on having these deja vu-like scenarios time and time again, where I was evaluating an athlete. I'm talking some of the strongest athletes in the world, some of the fastest athletes in football, and all across the spectrum. And during that evaluation, I have to be almost a detective to try to determine what created this pain. How did this person become injured in the first place so that I can create an evaluation uh, plan that then leads them out of pain and back to performance? And time and time again, when I would ask them the simple things like, take your shoes off, I just want to see you squat, just barefoot. Time and time again, I was seeing these great athletes have horrible squat patterns. And these are athletes that are putting six, seven, 800 pounds on their back. So I'm seeing very, very strong athletes in the movement of a squat. Yet when I removed their weightlifting shoes, 
when I had them go barefoot and just tell me, can you, or show me, can you do a full depth bodyweight squat? They lacked great looking movement quality. They could not get to the bottom with maybe their feet collapsing over or a small hip shift side to side. And all these things are small clues because poor movement, even small little issues like that, when loaded over time, create micro trauma, which then eventually leads to sort of those nagging issues that every single strength athlete has. And believe me, I've been an Olympic weightlifter since 2005. I have had every single issue that most of your listeners have heard about. I've had knee pain that has led me to just, you know, want to throw my belt against the wall because I can't get over 60% of my squat without just, it feels like a knife is jabbed into my knee. I've had back pain that has kept me on the couch for a couple days. Um, You know, I've had all these issues, especially when you're getting closer and closer to competition. It can be extremely frustrating because all you want to do is perform at your best. And what I found, like I said, was time and time again, this deja vu-like scenario where the pattern of the squat was something that we were missing. We were great at loading the squat, but we were missing the fundamental ability to show competency in this movement pattern first. Needless to say, if I ask someone to do a single leg squat, I've seen one amazing looking single leg squat on both sides in someone that was having pain. There's always something in the squat pattern that can be exposed through just proper screening. So I was like, aha, this is that aha moment where you're like, if we can conceptually rearrange our athletic priorities to put the squat as a movement first, learn how to move well first in all the different parts of the squat from learning foot stability to how to properly engage your hips, breathing and bracing, the simple things that make up a great looking movement of the squat and then start loading it. Move well first, then lift big weight. Not only can we unlock future performance potential that we never thought was possible before, but we also decrease the risks of aches and pains. And when you do find those aches and pains, they're not nearly as severe as what many people succumb to that leads them out of their sport for a long time because the small aches and pains add up and eventually they become big aches and pains. So it was the squat first, and then let's you know, have some fun with it. So I figured the squat almost sets the foundation for so many other things. I can talk about deadlifts. I can talk about cleans, snatches, all because they start on the foundation of the fundamentals of a proper squat. We'll get back to that in just a second. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Manimal. Manimal makes wrist wraps, lifting straps, apparel, and more. But we're really here to talk about the wraps. Whether you're benching heavy or for speed, going heavy on jerks, or doing bodyweight movements all day every day, Manimal wrist wraps are the longest-lasting models on the market, and they're backed by a lifetime guarantee. Lift strong, lift long, and start today with Manimal. Visit Manimal.com and use code BARBEND for 15% off. Now back to the conversation. So the squat, I'm, I'm going to continue the university analogy here. Yeah. And you're going to, if, if this is getting really old really quick, too bad, listeners, because I got <laughs> you for a, for a little while here. So if the squat is like a bodyweight squat's the standardized test mm-hmm. to get into squat university, what's the curriculum look like? What are you, yeah. how are you addressing these issues? And obviously everyone's different. We're not, this is not a medical advice podcast. We're not going to tell everyone exactly how to address their individual thing. Like see a, a qualified professional, but what are you, what are the sorts of things that you're working with people on to get them to that level of competency in the squat? The great thing about the university, and we'll continue going along that path, is, <laughs> is that 
if you were to go to a university and they're like, hey, pick the classes that you want. What's the path that you want to go along? You want to be exercise science. You want to be a music professor, anything like that, sort of the choose your own adventure kind of thing. Well, when someone comes to me with anything, and this could be um, a mechanic issue, it could be they're, they're in pain. It all stems from a proper evaluation. And from that, it allows us to then break down the body systematically and do different tests and measures to figure out what is your weak link. Every single person, I don't care if you're uh, you know, a middle schooler learning to squat for the first time or an Olympic gold medalist, I've worked with both. And every single athlete has weak links. And once you know your weak links and you can expose them, you are empowered to then understand what you need to do to tackle that problem, fix your issue. And then, like I said, you have performance that's unlocked and you can help slowly get out of pain. So for example, someone comes to me, their squat doesn't look very good. I've got all this information for free on squatuniversity.com, on my YouTube, things like that. And they go and they say, all right, let's start with the ankle test. Let's do a five inch ankle mobility test and see, do I have good mobility? Is there a different side to side? They do the test. They find out, oh, my ink mobility is actually an inch shorter on the right side versus my left. So figure that out. Now it's exposed. It's illuminated. Let's try these different exercises. Based on that, then we retest. Did it improve? Yes or no? That lets me know that one of my weak links can be corrected with this type of exercise. And then we repattern the squat over the top because it's not just do these simple corrective exercises. I want you to be able to then see how it affects your movement, see how it affects your squat. And then we slowly reapply load and allow someone to get back to doing what they want to do. But it all stems from the evaluation. So a lot of the uh, different things that you'll see me put out either on Instagram, YouTube, you know, podcast even, is literally, here's your problem, try this test. It has to start with the test because you can't just say shoulder issue, do this exercise because there could be a thousand different things that are wrong with that person that created that shoulder issue. You have to have a specific set of tests. So I try to make my content user-friendly in the way that I don't want to speak down to people using a bunch of that ivory tower speak. So the university is trying to be on that level where I can talk with you, not to you. So you can understand, okay, that's a simple test. I'm not using all the fancy words that many doctors and physical therapists use, but it's coming from that background. And then it allows you to do, again, be empowered to take control of your own body. That's really what Squat University is about because, like I mentioned, I had so many of these injuries in my own competitive nature growing up. And I was so frustrated. And some of the people that I went to, I had knee pain leading up, horrible knee pain leading up to the 2011 US Nationals, which was one of the highest level meets I was able to go to. And I was starting to pull two-a-days maybe a couple months prior because I'm like, I'm not going to let this go to the wayside. I'm going to put everything I can into this first national meet. And my knee was just bugging me so much. And I went to one of my professors in PT school and I'm like, what should I do? And he's like, you know, how often are you squatting? I'm like, well, I'm pulling two-a-days, three days a week. I'm squatting, technically squat, you know, almost every single day because I'm an Olympic weightlifter. Every day is leg day. And he literally, he goes, well, just stop lifting so much. Like you need to cut your volume completely out. And I'm like, that can't be the answer. There has to be something better. And what I have found through all my years of experience being a doctor of physical therapy, treating some of the best athletes in the world, is it often comes down to small, little nuanced issues in mobility and stability, the way in which we're moving. 
And when you can expose those problems with proper testing, it gives you the power to know what you need to fix to you know, address the issue head on. It's not just about volume modification or taking the weights down. It's not about lathering icy hot on your knee and taking ibuprofen and just keep pushing. There has to be a better way. So that's really what I've tried to do to sort of build your own adventure through the university, I guess. All that to say, you're the cool professor. You're the cool professor <laughs> who, who you can like play beer pong with and who will let you call them by their by your Definitely. Name, all that sort of stuff. Let's talk a little bit about how you're, I, I love, I want to like follow this thread and pull at it a little bit, how your own athletic experience influences what you do today. Because there are a lot of, we've actually had, we've had some very, very talented physical therapists on, on the podcast. And I always kick myself after we're done recording with them. Because I don't ask them enough about their practice oftentimes and about, okay, you are an athlete. Let's think of this from the, you know, the athlete's perspective and, and, and the experiential perspective of someone who does lift, who does squat every day or at one point did squat every day and understands that you're going to get frustrated if you know, a medical professional tells you, well, just lift less. You're like, well, that's, that's not the point of what I'm of doing. I'm trying to do this at a level of competency where I can sustain it. How did you originally get into weightlifting? And were you a physical therapist first or a weightlifter first? I think it's a really interesting like chicken and egg scenario. Exactly. And I think you'll find there's very few of us that have taken the path that I'm on. There's definitely some out there that were in, like I'll say, weight, a weightlifter in very first and foremost. So, you know, growing up in high school, I was exposed to weightlifting for the very first time. You know, we did sort of the, the power three, your power clean, uh, your squat, your deadlift, think bench press, things like that growing up. And actually in high school, I was very fortunate enough to have a coach that knew a lot about the weightlifting movements. Now, I never competed in weightlifting early on, but I was exposed to learning the power clean um, and the full clean at, uh, you know, eighth grade going into to ninth grade. And we had, I think, 12 platforms, weightlifting platforms in our high school gym in like eight Aleco barbells that he actually picked up from, I think it was like one of the, it was an international meet, I believe that was in the United States. Maybe, I don't think it was the 96 Olympic games in Atlanta, but he had picked up as like after a lot of the bigger uh, international meets, they will sell off a lot of the equipment that was used. And he picked up like, you know, seven or eight Aleco bars. So, I mean, most people listening, did your high school have Aleco equipment? Most of us can say no. I mean, so I did, I felt very, very privileged to, to have that ability. And then when I got into college, I really wanted to play baseball and God so have it that I ended up hurting my elbow during tryouts, which was the best thing ever for me because I did not make the baseball team. And that next day, if you remember, this is when Facebook first started, 2005, groups were a big thing. So you were scrolling through groups at your university, trying to connect with people. And there's the Iron Dog Olympic weightlifting team. Like I've heard of Olympic weightlifting. I've never competed in it. So I went to the informational meeting. I already had my pair of weightlifting shoes too. I bought my first pair of weightlifting shoes when I was in high school. So I knew about the sport enough to like get weightlifting shoes and everything. And they're like telling me all about the sport and how they train, you know, five, six days a week and then compete on the weekends. And I was like, wait, that's amazing. I want to do that. So I started competing uh, fall 2005. And my very last meet was, uh, I believe in 2016, which was the reason I took a step back from competing was only because a couple of things. I got married. I started Squat University. So not only am I working 40 to 50 hours a week as a clinician seeing patients, I'm running a side business on, you know, on my after hours, trying to produce content every single day, 
writing my first book, uh, still lifting as much as possible. And my wife's like, Hey, you know, you can only have so many passions. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? That's true. Um, at the time, uh, the last meet I had done was the 2015 American Open, which is like the second tier uh, national meet in the U.S. At some, the people, time, some people actually consider it, the, at, for a time, the premier weightlifting event in the United States. A, yeah. AO, now the AO Finals, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a big deal. It's right up there exactly. with nationals. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And at, at the time, so I believe the uh, 2015 uh, AO, it, so this was in Reno, Nevada, and this was like the first mega meet. So... Flashback four years prior, 2011 U.S. Nationals, it was up in Iowa. Maybe 350 competitors. I mean, there was an A and a B class in the 85 kilo weight class. That's it. Get to the 2015 American Open, and it's like there was over 900. It was the first 900 plus person meet. It was crazy. And I ended up, I went from uh, placing sixth in 2011 in the entire 85 kilo weight class. I think I placed like 76. <laughs> it was like, I, I mean, roughly made a couple kilos, maybe more in my total, but like, I, it was time for me to duck out. I was, uh, I was slowly getting swallowed up by all the amazing athletes that were coming up at the time. So, <laughs> um, but even then, so I, I'm done with, with competing, but I'm still training as a weightlifter because it's a sport that I love to do. So currently, like this week, I'm just starting a brand new plan that uh, I'm working with uh, Chad Vaughn, two-time Olympian, amazing person in the sport. Uh, he's programming for me. So I still train Olympic weightlifting. And I'm 34 years old. And as anyone who's 34 years old knows, there's a lot of aches and pains here and there. Uh, there's issues you're not you know, always 100%. So I'm constantly enjoying the process of being a weightlifter which means I'm constantly tinkering like a puzzle that is never finished. That is my life as a weightlifter. 34, Chad would call you a spring chicken. Exactly. And that's, you know, also that's the thing too, is I, I said it in a way that I, after, as soon as the words went out of my mouth, I was like, yeah, let's, let's not say it that way. I, I really dislike when people say, oh, I'm getting so old. I'm like, man, I'm 34 years old. Personally, I put up these type of posts all the time on Instagram. I'm going to be doing clean and jerks till I'm well over 80. So, I mean... And if you think about it like that, I've got a lot of way to go. So I'm early in my, in my lifting career, just constantly tinkering. And, and your coach, Chad Vaughn, he's a good friend of, of mine. He's been on the podcast multiple times. I, have to, I absolutely adore Chad. I mean, he's someone who lives this mantra of like weightlifting's for everyone, no matter, no matter your age. I mean, this is a guy who almost when he was literally like a, a half step away in the clean and jerk from winning nationals at 39. I mean, just, and this was last year in Memphis, in Memphis, Tennessee. I mean, this guy is, look, you don't make it to two, to, to two different Olympic games without like being pretty darn good at the sport. But he, I know he works with a ton of master's athletes, not that you're quite there yet. Um, and he works with athletes of all ages. And it's something where it goes back to your practice. Chad is someone, he was one of the first weightlifters I ever talked to back before the days when this was kind of in vogue, saying, hey, work on your mobility without a barbell. Can you move without load? Right. And I've had the, the privilege of doing a lot of color commentary with Chad at weightlifting events from, from small all the way to big international events. And he's the kind of guy where he's, he'll be deep in a squat, working on his squat patterning and loosening up when we're commentating on a session. 
And he's someone who really lives this practice. So it's, it's awesome. I didn't know he was your coach. It's awesome to hear you two are like, it's like a meeting of the minds, but the coach-athlete relationship is always special too. The, the great thing about Chad is, is we definitely connect on that same idea of movement quality first. Uh, you know, that's originally when we first met and started uh, working together. I mean, we collaborate all the time. We're currently working on a full blog series and maybe drop to the listeners uh, an eventual book on Olympic weightlifting, wink, wink. Um, but the idea is, is it's movement quality first. And we're constantly trying to improve our positional capacity, our mobility. If you can't get in a full depth front squat with a full grip on the bar and elbows up high and just sit there and feel comfortable, how are you going to get there when you're going a million miles an hour in a full clean? And it's that idea that instantly we connected on. And that's why I think we've been able to create such great content and help so many Olympic weightlifters, you know, improve upon those things that we all are, are trying to get it, which is perfecting the two lifts on the competition platform. Now, there's something you said earlier, and I'm going to pull at this thread as well. You mentioned earlier your first book, which always implies a, a follow-up. And I believe that's something that you've been kind of deep in the weeds on, on working on for a, a bit. You have another book coming out? Yes. So the first book for those uh, who have followed before Squat University is just called The Squat Bible. And it was basically your go-to step-by-step process, basically squatting for dummies, if you want to think about it like that. Like we talked about before, creating your own path of figuring out specific strains to, to improve upon your squat pattern so that you can then load it with great technique. 128 pages to the point you can read it in a weekend. The second book is a whole nother beast. It's called Rebuilding Milo, and it's the lifter's guide to dealing with common aches and pains that we have in the gym. Like I mentioned, there's not a single strength athlete who doesn't have something aching. Their back, their hip, their knee, shoulder, elbow, something's always sort of bugging them that's keeping them away. And as strength athletes in today's world, if you are not, you know, privileged enough to have an amazing physical therapist, Cairo athletic trainer that you're working with constantly, you're often left to your best bet of, let me search on YouTube. Let me talk to a doctor who probably doesn't understand lifting. who's just going to tell me to stop lifting so much and take these pain pills. It's, there's not really great options. So you're forced to either push through pain and eventually things get worse, or you just take a lot of time off. And that doesn't even solve it a lot of times because I've had so many issues with uh, athletes before. They take a month off and then they come back and their back hurts again. So you know, my goal is to say, I want to help empower the athlete. I want to give you the knowledge that I have amassed over all these years working with some of the best athletes in the world, helping them get out of pain. I want to give it to you and speak to you in a way that you can understand as well. So it's 480 pages. It's a big book, but it is the lifter's guide that should be with them for the rest of their life. So that in two months, when that elbow starts flaring up, they can pull the book off the shelf turn to the elbow chapter, and this is what it's going to do. It's going to say, hey, here's some common reasons for developing elbow pain. Here's some tests. Try these. Based on what you find, do these exercises. How did you feel? Pivot here. Do this. Here's how you rebuild your body to not having any pain and doing exactly what you want to do, which is lift some big-ass weight. So the book is basically the lifter's guide to getting out of pain from a physical therapy movement perspective. Now, a lot of people have questions who's Milo. I would think that most people listening to this podcast know who he is, but for those of you who do not know, Milo is an ancient Greek Olympian considered by many to be one of the best athletes in the world at his time. And as the story goes, Milo lifted a small calf to his shoulders, walked around with it every single day. And as the 
calf grew into a full-size bull. Obviously, so did Milo's strength. And I believe as the story goes, if you actually look it up, I think he walked it all the way around the Olympic Stadium, killed the bull and ate it or something like that. But basically, the idea behind the story is where we got the, uh, the idea of modern-day periodization, which is progressive overload. Now, the entirety of that is to say that there's a scientific code that our body goes through and adheres to, especially when it comes to strength training, in that your body, as far as the way in which it progresses, cannot exceed its adaptive capabilities. So if you go in the gym and you're just lift, lift, lift every single day and you're not recovering adequately, your body starts breaking down. And it can do so also if you have the greatest training program, but you're not moving optimally as well. You've got a small ankle mobility imbalance side to side, and you're doing a lot of squats. Well, eventually, as you're squatting down, things are starting to twist, and it's the smallest little issues that eventually can lead to this micro trauma up the chain, and eventually pain ensues. So the idea is that in our pursuit of trying to become our own version of Milo, we fall short because we break this code and don't allow our bodies to adapt to the program either by using poor uh, quality technique or an inappropriate loading schemes. And today we're forced to either succumb to medical advice that's not right for weightlifters, that's just take this medication, we're not helping each other out in that pursuit. We should have a better way. We should have the ability because I don't believe that these common aches and pains that we develop as strength athletes are medical issues. They're issues that we all should have the power to change. You know, if you have a light bulb that goes out in your house, you shouldn't have to call an electrician. You should know how to change your light bulb. If your knee's a little achy after some squats, you should know how to take the first steps to fixing that. And if you have a great physical therapist, that's awesome. Use them. But I know not many people have that ability. And often when they do go to some medical practitioners, they get the wrong advice. So this book is my ability, my giving back to the community of everything that I've talked about for the last couple of years with Squat University to try to give every strength athlete that gift that I wish I had when I was 18 years old and coming up and dealing with that knee pain and not getting the right advice. So it comes out uh, January 19th, uh, 2021. It's available for pre-order right now all over the world. And uh, I'm super psyched to have it come out and, and you know see what we can do in the strength community. Well, I, I think I'm someone who can certainly get a lot of benefit from that. So I'm really looking forward to popping open uh, a copy and starting to work on that. It seems like almost kind of a flowchart mentality of like, if this, then that. And uh, that I'll consider that my homework from Squat University. We're all, we're all doing virtual learning these days. So it, actually makes, so it actually makes sense. Aaron, you told us about the book. Really appreciate that. Where are the best places for people to keep up to date with the work you're doing and you know, the constant content? I know that you're always pushing out there, uh, most of it for free too. Yeah. I mean, besides the two books I have, everything else is free because that's a big thing that I wanted people to understand is that I'm here to help you. And I don't want to hide behind the 999 paywall. I've got a few things for people if you want to pick it up, but all my content is free. Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, blog website, squatuniversity.com, podcast Squat University. And then also if you're on TikTok nowadays, I'm on TikTok too. So everywhere you can find. You are you are the TikTok star in in waiting. You're the next big thing in mainstream TikTok. <laughs> I'm the I next could, Carly, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it? Is it? Yeah. Uh, you just Charlie, gotta get Charlie. You right. gotta get the What you need to do is actually here's an idea. Okay, you identify 
movement restrictions in TikTok stars dancers in, in TikTok stars as they dance. You're you're like oh like oh her, the elbow flare on that move in the middle <laughs> of the Renegade. What you could do, and you start circling and pointing out, and you you prescribe corrective movement and patterning for TikTok stars. That's I, that's gonna go viral. I'm using that. That's either the worst it. idea in the world or the best <laughs> idea I will ever have, and there is no in between. I'll make sure I try to you in the in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Aaron, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Big fan of what you do personally. Thank you so at Bar- much. At Barben, we love what you do, and I hope there are more ways for us to work together. But um, we'll include all of the info on where to find you and where to find info on your books in the uh, podcast description and accompanying post on Barben. Thanks again. Thank you so much. 